grace says, he is, period. It is finished. And I receive, and I live it out of the f overflow of the knowledge and excitement and experience of all of that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and we see a little bit of that going on in the story of the prodigal son, as we're going to get to the third part today. But as we ponder the story of the prodigal, we're going to look at the older brother who is the legalist. And, and in his legalism, he is as much lost as the younger son was. Because neither one were walking in the truth of God is. And so we just want to double back and finish that up today. And I just everyone just just kind of close your eyes a minute and just focus on He is, and let His peace settle in, and let the Spirit of God prepare your heart for what He wants to teach you this morning, because He has something for each of us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one that breaks down the mountains. He is the one that walks with us through the trials that Jesus said we would have. I am so happy that I have gone from the idea that we can, be, we can have a perfect life with Jesus to I can walk through the trials with Jesus. <laughs> Because you see, when I was in this mode of life is supposed to be perfect, there aren't supposed to be trials, there aren't supposed to be tribulations, and when one would come along, I would fall apart. But not anymore. You see, even my eye today, last week I couldn't see anything. Today I, I could stand in the back and I could see the light shining off the, the heads of the two gentlemen over here on my right. <laughs> it was the glare. It was the glare, but I saw it. That's the point. <laughs> And I may have to put my glasses on to do some reading today because there's still a little bit of distortion going on. But, you know, it's getting better and it's getting better. So, so we continue to praise God even in the midst of the things. As I was sharing with the leadership team Friday night, I have such great peace in the midst of what's going on in my life right now. Five years ago, I would have fallen apart. That trial would have just destroyed me five years ago. The thought of, Having anything going wrong with my eyes was one of those latent fears, as a, you know, in the back of my head. But today it's like, yeah, God's got it. It's okay. Because that's the kind of God He is. And I know we all go through things. We all have trials because Jesus says, guess what? In this world we're going to have trials. So don't be surprised when they are. But He says, I'm there. I am. I am. I am in your trial. So, we're talking about Luke 15. I'm not going to go back over all of the last two weeks, but suffice it to say, Jesus is trying to make a point to the Pharisees about their religion and their, and their works not cutting it. And we've seen this younger son who has his own concept of identity that was not founded in love and not founded in the family. And he was trying to and he was really trying to find himself. 
wanted to be that rugged individual, that American rugged individual that were programmed into us from the early days of our culture. And I'm going to go cut my teeth and cut my identity. And, and in that process, he totally rejected everything his life was based on to that point. And then there was this father that we started to take a look at, and we'll cycle back to part of it as sort of in a conclusion, but this father who stood there with open arms did not chase the one who left down, but waited for him to come back, never losing hope, always sending out his love. And then we get to the story, part of the story of the older brother. We'll pick it up in the mirror no, excuse me, the message, Luke 15, we'll start at verse 25. All this time his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on, and he told him, your brother came home, your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he, was, because he has him home safe and sound. So at this point, there's a festivity going on and the, and the older brother has been out working hard in the fields, been out doing the things that older sons are supposed to do in, in terms of helping dad keep the, you know, things moving along, you know, and at least in his mind, it's like, I got these things, I got this task list every day I got to do. Anybody got a task list that, that they're Every day I got to get done, and I'm frustrated if I don't get done. Not anymore. Then they're done that. I used to hate the Franklin Planner because I spent more time moving things to the next page than I ever got done. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> and so, verse 28 the older brother stalked off in angry sulk and refused to join in. This is the first time the word anger or angry, shows up in this parable. Think about that. He got angry. And he started to sulk, and he refused to go in. Now, culturally, historic cultural aspect of the time, when dad throws a party in that time, the oldest son was the host. The oldest son was supposed to go in and make sure all the guests were enjoying themselves. They were all comfortable. He had the responsibility to make sure the wine was being poured and, and the food was still fresh. And it was his job to make the guests feel welcome. So dad could just go out and intermix and not have to worry about anything. So by refusing to go in, he refused to honor his father in the role of host. And by refusing to go in, he also made a statement to the community, you're not worthy of my time today. Didn't know that from the story before, did you? Because you didn't have the cultural context. But back again to what happened with the first son. The first son dishonored the father. And what's the command for dishonoring the father at the time? Stone him. Stone him. Older son dishonored the father. What's the command? Stone him. Wow. But what's the father do? His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. And do you think the father came out with, 
you worthless son? Who do you think you are? This is my house. No, he came out to talk to him. And if we know that this father has this heart of love, how's he going to approach this son? With love. Son, I love you. What's going on here? Talk to me. But the son wouldn't listen. The son said, look, how many years have I stayed here serving you? Never giving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but, you, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? couple things. What do, you, what do you get out of that verse? Wah, 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 wah. You, I stayed here serving you. I stayed here serving you. I could have been off doing something else. Yeah, look at me, look at me. It was an obligation. Service, servant. Almost smacks of, you treated me like a slave. How dare you? I've stayed here all this time. You never even threw a party for me. Forget the fact he was going to get two-thirds of the estate. Uh, Forget the fact that he he had food in the time of other places having famine. You know, forget the fact that Father never, ever rejected him. But he's approaching Dad and he's approaching his whole identity from this perspective of servant. Look what I'm doing for you. Look what I've done for you. I've never even given you one moment of grief. Translation, I've kept all the commands. Right? I've kept all of your commands, all of the things you wanted me to do. Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores shows up and you go all out with a feast. What about me? 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 (laughs) Joyce Meyer, right? I mean, his whole attitude is not one happy that his brother is safe, Not one happy that dad and and younger son have been reconnected. Not happy that what was lost was found or what is dead was was dead is now alive, but what about me? I could care less about anybody but me. And his father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. You see, Dad's looking at it from the perspective of the one that was lost. Going back to the first two parables in Luke, Dad's going to go find the one that was lost. Dad's going to celebrate the recovery of what was lost, the one that was lost. But the older brother, the Pharisees, are not concerned about what was lost, they're concerned about status. And remember, this is a parable to break down the reality of the Pharisees because they had built a reality based upon these rules and regulations. And when you build a reality based on rules and regulations, you lose connection with the heart of the people. And Jesus was trying to say, no, we need to reconnect to the heart. We need to reconnect out of love to who we are in our identity. Did this older brother have any sense, any more sense of his identity than the younger brother did? 
No. In his own mind, as a servant, he's disconnected from the family. Just as the younger brother was disconnected from the family, the older brother is also disconnected because he's he set up his own image, his own likeness based upon, look at all I've done for you. Never entertaining the fact that dad would love him if he hadn't been doing those things. Just the same as he loves the younger one who took off. So we have these... And a puzzle that I'm in during the midst of this story is how could two sons grow up with a loving dad and not get it? The world, the world system. The older brother was raised in that system of religion. Even though this dad is this dad, this loving dad, this giving dad, he picked up on the rules and regulations because it made his life more manageable for him. If I do this and this and this and this, I won't have conflict. I won't have to worry about a meal. I won't have to worry about dad being angry. And, and just missed it. They both missed the sense of identity. See, when he became angry, he refused to go to the party. What was the attitude of the Pharisees when Jesus was eating with and reveling with and partying with the lost, the sinners. They wouldn't go to the party. But yet we know from, from the last couple of weeks, when, a, when one person is lost, is found, there's a party in heaven. But the Pharisees don't want to go to the party unless they get to decide what the party looks like and who gets to come to the party. And so for, for Jesus in this parable to say, and by the time he gets to this point, they know he's talk, that he's talking to them. You're the older brother. They've figured it out. And for him to say, you're missing the party. Your pride is in the way. Your arrogance is in the way. It's interesting that the, the parable of the woman that lost the one coin And when he did that one just before this one, to the Pharisees, that would have been a time to party because you found something of great value mm -hmm. back. You found a coin. And then he went to the he went to personhood, and he showed them you value the money, but you don't value the person. Excellent. And he he really put them in a trap because they would have celebrated finding the money. Mm -hmm. That would have been a great joy to them because that had value. But when they look at a person, they say, no, you have no value. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, he totally had no value for his brother. I mean, by, by this time, he had totally disconnected from his brother's life in his mind. His brother was no different than the tax collector. And, he, and at this point, he, he didn't even know that his brother had been out slopping pigs because he didn't come into the party to find out. So his, his entire basis of judgment is... is based upon his standard of value, and my brother doesn't meet my standards, therefore, he's a nobody. And the Pharisees, again, as they're walking through the community and they see somebody unclean, you don't meet my standard, you're a nobody. But when Jesus would walk through and see somebody who's unclean, what did he do? He touched them. 
And, and so Jesus is, is, is saying to these Pharisees, you don't value what I value. You don't value what God has declared whole and clean. I mean, Peter has that lesson a little later on. But God declared all of humanity whole. I created them in my image and likeness. How dare you not value them? And, and, I, and I use that, how dare you, not as a legalistic condemnation, but it's like, oh, how dare you not? I mean, it's like this, a guest, you don't value them. And he's trying to break through. Come on. The value is in humanity, not in what you do. The value is in what I have created, not in how you manipulate and control what I've created. And that's what he's trying to get them to see, um, realizing that because they have a much deeper defined sense of right and wrong from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's a lot harder to break through than the younger son who was in the midst of his despair at his lowest moment had this revelation of remembrance of his father. Remember, he was slopping the pigs, nothing to eat, and all of a sudden that, that memory of dad came up. Well, I truly think the essence of that is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit bringing something from remembrance to the now. Versus this, this, this older brother who can't get past, look at me, look what I've done for you. You know, why don't you, why don't you throw a party for me and my friends? Did you ever ask? Do you, if, do you think if he'd have come up to dad and said, can I have the keys to the jalopy, dad would have given him the keys? Sure. Of course he would have. But he never even thought about that. See, the son wanted punishment. He wanted retribution from the, son, from the younger son. The older son wanted the younger son to be punished. He wanted him to get what he was due, which was really to be stoned. He was judgmental. He was morally outraged. His righteous anger, careful of righteous anger, because it's often out of our own set of rules and regulations. But where's the compassion? Where's the mercy? And when you compare this to the ministerial acts of Jesus, what motivated Jesus to lay hands on the sick? Often it says, I was filled with compassion. I was filled with mercy. The, the elder brother's going, he's also playing the blame game, the son of yours. But I wanted to come, I come back to this verse in the message, 28 to 30. You know, when the older brother stalked off and refused to, to come out, the father went out to him. You know, the father came out and tried to talk to him. That's an act of love, trying to, trying to engage him. But the son wouldn't listen. And that's, that's Linda just said. That's, kind of, that's the free will in a sense. I don't have to listen to this. And, and, and the father isn't going to force it down him and say, if you don't sit down and listen to me and do what you're supposed to do, I'm, gonna do, I'm going to come after you and make your life miserable. I'm going to send a lightning bolt and strike you dead. No, he said, look, son. And the other thing he did is he called him son. He tried to talk to him. Somewhere in here, it said, in one of the verses, I can't remember which one, but he calls him son. He reinforces his identity because he's got a false sense of identity. He doesn't realize the image and likeness. He's created his own sense of identity. And one of the reasons it's so important is to, to reinforce image, to reinforce likeness, 
created in the image and likeness of God as part of this message of grace is to break through our own sense of identity that we've created out of our woundedness. And, and so the son said, look, how many years have I stayed with you? And he, you're right, he says, the son of mine, or the son of yours, he's talking about to the father. But he's coming out and he's going, son, I don't get this. You are my son. You've always been with me. You've always been with me. We should rejoice in the fact you've always been with me. But the one who's lost has now rejoined us. And, and the older son just couldn't connect with that. And there it is. Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And so he's trying to rebuild his identity by coming. And so love is always pointing back to your identity. God is always speaking to our, to our original identity and pulling us back to our original identity. And regardless of the younger brother's presence or absence, the older son, as a son, is still going to inherit. And he's going to inherit what he was intended to inherit because the dad had already divided the estate. He'd already done that. So he wasn't going to divide it again. The nine coins never lost their value. That's right, Greg. When, when, when the woman was looking for the tenth coin, the other nine still held their value. The older son still had great value, but could not appreciate the value in the younger son. And I think that's part of why, why Jesus was so frustrated at times with the Pharisees. Because whenever, you, whenever Jesus encountered them, he was always going after... You don't get it. You just don't understand. You've built this system that is not my system. And every one of us has built a system of our own at some point or another to get us through difficult moments of life. Problem is, as we get older, those systems fall apart because the circumstances change and they don't work anymore. And when he, by confronting the Pharisees, Again, in a parable that has truth without specifically calling them out, but calling them out in, in, in reality, the hope is that they will start to think through this and go, oh, I've lost the heart of the Father. I've lost the mercy and compassion and love of the Father for me as well as for others. And in in, in we've all been in this legalistic system. How many of us in the midst of legalism really felt loved by dad? Seeing no takers, I can move on. No. <laughs> I mean, it was very difficult to feel loved because you never really knew if you, you had performed well enough. And you never knew if tomorrow was going to change or the day after something was going to happen that changed things. And so you never had peace. It was difficult to experience the joy when you have no peace. Difficult to rest. I have no peace. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. That's what Job was, you know, experiencing for a season. And so the father is trying to reach out to this son to break that mindset. So let's see if we can summarize some things. The younger son was unaware of his true identity within the family. How many of you know now 
is an absolute certainty you're part of the family of God. Amen. You are the sons of God with whom the earth is waiting to encounter. In his unawareness, he rejected the father, he rejected the family unit, he rejected the community, and he rejected his national heritage. Translation, he rejected God, he rejected the kingdom, he rejected the blessings. I'm going to cut things, I'm going to cut and run and go my own way. I am my own God. New age. Self-made man. And the younger son, he was lost and he was dead. He rejected grace and love. There was a sense of security in his family. As dysfunctional as in his mind it was, there was a sense of security that he rejected. He must have really, really, really struggled with who he was to walk out of a place of security. I mean, mean, all of us want a place of security. And all of us have sought at times security. But the only true security is in the true family. And so he rejected that. The older son was also unaware of his true identity within the family. He was judgmental. He was self-righteous. In his judgmental self-righteousness mode, he, he too was unaware of his true identity. He had the most, relating it to the Pharisees, the older son had the most education and teaching about the father because he'd been with him the longest. He would have known the history of the family better than the younger son. He would have known the heart of the father more than the younger son. But he couldn't, he couldn't figure out his true identity in the midst of it. He too was lost and dead. He too re- rejected grace and love. One of my instructors in my seminary class says to reject grace is the only ultimate sin. What's left if you reject grace? Now, the younger son had an awakening. Having having rejected the family, having rejected grace, having rejected love, there still was an awakening. What does that say about dad? Dad does not give up. He didn't change. He didn't lose hope. See, the father was the embodiment of agape love. The father was willing to risk rejection community scorn and hostility to pour out his love. The father was not judgmental in his love. The father didn't demand contrition or acts of repentance from the younger son when he came home. Didn't demand it from the older son when the older son pitched a hissy fit. The father waited patiently in love for the one who was absent from the family. Jesus Jesus was rejected. He was scorned in the community. He received the hostility, the ultimate hostility was to be put to death. And he did it for us. This is the story of grace, ultimately. The, the, prodigal, the prodigal story is the ultimate story of grace. Because you have those who reject everything, and yet the Father is still there for them. You have those who know better, the religious trained, and yet the Father is still there for them. And the Father is longing for the lost, engaging the religious with the one goal, to bring everyone to the truth. 
He waited patiently love for the one who was absent from the family. He did not despair for the one who was absent. He did not lose hope for the return of the one who was absent. He engaged the one who was present in the midst of that son's anger with love and kindness. He met guilt, shame, anger, judgmentalism with love and grace. We don't see anywhere in this parable where God is wringing his hands going, I just don't know what I'm going to do. No. In reality, it's easy for dad. It's a little harder for us on the natural level, horizontal level. But this is first and foremost the story of the vertical between God and man. And there are some, there are some applications on the horizontal, but, but until we understand the significance of the vertical, we can't even begin to applic- an application on the horizontal of this. And it's interesting how we contrast with just the totally rejected by society, the younger son, who first rejects society and then society rejects him. And the older son, who is so proud and arrogant, and it's all about him, and in the middle is this father, and nowhere in here do you see this father panicked. Do you see this father going, I guess I lost that one. He's patient. Go back to the fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient. Love is kind. And all of that is walked out in the midst of this story by this father. You know, and when we find ourselves on a horizontal level in the midst of, a, a, of these kinds of situations, it's a struggle. But we take hope from this father who never lost hope, who's always moving in agape love, always is out there moving and stirring hearts, even when we can't see it. it it's stirring hearts. Grace is not about one's actions or attitude. Grace is about acceptance. Total, complete, and unconditional acceptance flowing from the Father's love. That's what the message of grace is about, and that's what this message is showing. This Father accepted the young son, no matter how far out he went. When that young son came back, he was there with open arms. And I think... He was standing there every day looking down the road going, Son, come home. Son, come home. Son, come home. Speaking to the four winds, Son, I don't know where you are, but come home. Now, God knows where we are, but I believe God is always speaking. He's speaking to the wandering sons and daughters. And he's speaking to the Pharisees. You're still part of my family. Come home. Because he's calling them home too. Come into the party. Let's rejoice when the lost one is found. Join me in the rejoicing because there's so much richness in you as well. And so when we encounter people who are extremely legalistic and who are bashing us, gracers, we can take we can take a page from this father, and it's not about getting in their face. But what did this father do when his son was bashing him? He just loved. I still have open arms for you too, son. He didn't engage. You cannot engage at an intellectual level with a legalist. The father didn't try to persuade him. He just said, you're part of my family. He reinforced his identity. 
and he didn't get into a debate with him. Jesus could have out-debated the Pharisees because he knew the scriptures better than they did. But you don't see a debate in this parable. He just said, he just speaks truth. You're my son. You're my son. All of this is yours. My whole kingdom is yours. You're my son. Give me a hug. Let me embrace you. But here's the other side of the coin. My family judges me from what I was before. The older brother judged the younger son from what he was, not why he came back. I've changed a lot in the last three and four years, but my family doesn't recognize that change because they want to see me the way the older brother did from this lens of what I was. The only thing I can do is continue to let this message unfold in me and realize I don't have it all down yet, but I think I'm further down the road than I was a couple of years ago. And as the more at peace I become, then I believe the more people will begin to want to know things because they'll sense that peace. We all were drawn to this message in different, different angles or perspectives. God wooed us. And I, I as I, I've been trying to relate I, the last few weeks, I have the most peace in my life at 61 than I've ever had. And at the same time, I have some of the, you know, this is a significant event. This, I think, is a significant event in my life that would have derailed me a few years ago. It does not own me right now, and it will never own me because I am at peace. I hope that that peace begins to open doors to share this message with others in a, in a more significant fashion. And then there'll be some I will encounter that will be like the older brother who will just not listen. And I have to be okay with that. Because if they're not ready to listen, then it's not the right time yet. Now, I think some of those Pharisees went back and listened, took, and replayed that parable in their minds. And we know some of the Pharisees did ultimately come to Jesus. Right? So it obviously had an impact on some who were ready at that moment. Others have, are impacted differently. Though. Paul was impacted with a Damascus Road, knock you off your horse, let me catch your attention experience. And once God had his attention, he was able to take that understanding of the law and teach him grace beyond what any, any person had ever known at that point. So we have to trust that we, as we live this out, that others are getting pieces of our peace. They're getting pieces of this. And we don't know what peace that is planted today God won't harvest tomorrow. And so I truly believe this message will be, I think this is the end time message, Grace. I think he's just preparing the foundation right now. So I'm going to close out with, I want to go back to something Paul said in Galatians because I think it makes a little more sense now. We studied Galatians a year and a half ago. 
This is Galatians 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 out of the New American Standard. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if a man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. And I brought that up to say to you, if a person is preaching something other than the message of the prodigal son, you need to stop and listen more carefully. Because the message of the prodigal is the message of grace. When you have something that feels uncertain or out of, or you get a check about, Go back to the prodigal son. Go back to the message of grace. Where does it line up? And if it doesn't, then that's probably one to put on the shelf. Because there is great hope and joy and peace in the message of grace. And I will tell you, that I mean, you know, when, when we are trying to control things from a legalistic perspective, you know, we, we think the trials aren't as big or as often because we think we're in control. But looking back in my life, I had as many trials then, I just refused to recognize them as trials. And I'm at peace with the fact that I will have trials. That's a, that's a huge shift for me. You know, Carol will tell you that when we first met, I was God is a God of the instantaneous. Everything is a now thing. He heals instantaneously. I can, I can, I can rebuke the devil and all my trials will stop. I was there. And, and, and now it's, well, God is, God is a God of a plan, and he's working a plan, which in, parts, which in part means there's a process to a plan being unfolded. This plan of redemption unfolds at different levels, at different speeds for different people in different times and different places. And, and while some of that is unfolding, some, every once in a while someone makes a choice that impacts my life, or I make a choice that impacts my life, and a trial arises, and you know what? He still is. He is in the midst of my trial. And I'm okay with that. Now, do I want life to be smooth? Of course I do. That's my fleshly side of me going, I want life to be smooth. I don't want trials. But I no longer see a trial as punishment or what did I do wrong. I see it as an opportunity to find out more about this grace. That's me. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we know, there's the, we know there's a heart of grace. And his name is Jesus. And we just thank you and praise you that, Jesus, you are a now God in our heart, in our lives, in our, totally interconnected with us. And we trust you in Jesus' name.